Side Hustle Show 213, how to avoid a conflict of interest between your side hustle and your day job. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. A little bit of a different style of show for you today, but one that addresses a really common issue for side hustlers, and that's conflict of interest. If you want to start a side hustle that uses some of the same skills and expertise you use at work, I think that's only natural. The problem is it's also only natural for your employer to take pause or perhaps even take offense to that. And even if your side business is completely unrelated, do you have to tell work about it? What business is it of theirs? What you do in your free time? These can be some tricky issues to work around and still accomplish your side hustle goals. And in fact, this episode was inspired by an email I got from a side hustle show listener asking about this conflict of interest challenge. To help me talk through it, I invited Don the Idea Guy back on the program. Possessing creative powers beyond those of mere mortals, you might remember Don from episode 170 of the show, one of the most popular episodes of the year last year, where he shared his seven rules for business idea brainstorming, and we took some live listener calls as well. Now today, we're going to go over what options you have if your side hustle overlaps a little too closely with your day job, and how you might even be able to spin that to your advantage. Again, some creative thinking involved, and that's why Don's here. You can find more about him at DonTheIdeaGuy.com. We begin this conversation with a quick creativity tip, and then we dive into the listener's question. Ready? Let's get Don on the line. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm really happy to be back and had some great conversations with Side Hustle Nation members, Side Hustle Nation citizens, yes. uh, since appearing on the first show. And one of the topics that uh, comes up a lot in the conversations I've had with the audience is, where do you go to start the idea? So I enjoy helping people come up with the concepts, but the next step is, how do you put that idea into action? And I think the idea of starting something that they consider a big idea is kind of frightening. It can it can be a little scary. And the best way that I found to break it down is to break it down into ridiculously small components to take tiny, tiny steps. I'm not sure if you remember the Bill Murray movie, What About Bob? But he's a uh, kind of a nutty guy who's seeing a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist wrote a book. I think the book was called Baby Steps. And that's how you work through the process was baby steps, little baby steps. And if you apply that same kind of concept to taking just little baby steps to putting your idea into action, it won't be as frightening. You know, a lot of people think they have to build out an entire website. How about just starting by buying a domain name? Some people think they need to write the ultimate book on whatever topic it's going to be. And what if you just start with a checklist or they want to build out an entire, you know, 12 part video course? Yeah. Why don't you start with just a one or two minute video? So if you just take those small, itsy-bitsy steps, uh, give yourself ridiculously short steps and meet ridiculously short deadlines, it'll build itself out. It'll kind of evolve and, and grow into its own, and it, it won't be nearly as frightening. Yeah, it builds it builds momentum, too, because you're like, well, I accomplished that. I, mean, I was guilty of this, too. I would have a to-do list item, and it would say, like, book or like write book. It's like the most worthless thing ever. It's like, okay, maybe outline, (laughs) like you said, outline chapter one or, you know, write. It all starts with that first sentence. So, you know, putting something down on paper. And so I can attest to that and something I'm trying to be 
better about, okay, what's the next action step versus looking at this daunting project and saying, this is the mountain that I've got to climb. How am I ever going to get there? Well, the same way you always do, you know, one step at a time. So I like that one. Let's dive into this week's, I guess, question or this week's kind of creativity challenge, brainstorming challenge on how to avoid a conflict of interest between work and side hustle. So I had a question come in through email and then a little bit of a discussion in the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. So Mark says, hey, I work in an industry with information-starved end users. This is what he calls them, information-starved end users that they want somebody to answer the questions, but instead they get salespeople who just try and sell them on whatever it is. That's obviously their salespeople. They want to meet their quotas and all that jazz. <laughs> now, Mark has the idea, I want to provide them with a video series, a book, something that would run through all of the normal questions that come up. But every time I kind of raise these ideas, my company shuts it down and then they try to come out with their own product and say, well, now it's a conflict of interest. And in his, in Mark's case, it feels like they're mining my ideas and then telling me, hey, look, we, we trained you, we allowed you to gain this knowledge. So everything you do, we own. And he's like, I desperately want to have a side hustle. Like what options do I have? Do I try and do this under a pen name? Where do I turn from here? So Let's put our thinking caps on and see if we can help Mark out. Yeah, it's an interesting challenge. He's encountering something that's typically referred to as work for hire. So his company that he's working for, if he's a paid employee of the company and not a, not a contractor or, or an independent worker of any sort, if he's an employee of the company, the things that he creates inside that company belong to the company. Now, we are not lawyers. So as is the case with many things, seek professional help yes. rather than believing us. But these are things that I've run across in creating ideas and, and talking to people about creating ideas inside of other businesses. And I'm sure that you've run across this as well with other conversations you've had with all the interviews you've done, Nick. But work for hire is going to be the first thing he runs across. And if he's working for somebody else and he's taking their paycheck to show up, the things he creates there technically belong to that company. So that's the first thing is he's going to have to realize that they're probably right in the way they're bringing it up. That doesn't mean there aren't some uh, creative ideas and some workarounds, even to the extent of embracing the fact you're creating it inside the company. But the first thing he has to realize is get caught up and do the research and talk to somebody who can explain exactly what that work for hire situation is going to be within that company. Okay. Now, where, where do they draw the line on that versus... This is something I created completely on my own time, like off of work hours. Do they own you 24 hours a day? Do they own your ideas 24 hours a day? Or is like, hey, look, we're paying you to be here from eight to five. And after that, you're on your own. My understanding is the things you create during the working hours. So during the time they're paying. But if they were going to come after you, let's say he develops this idea, leaves, and he starts this business on his own. If it significantly looks like the thing he designed inside, in-house, the burden of proof is going to be on him to prove that he developed this thing outside the company. And that's going to be tough to do. That's where keeping a journal and recording ideas, especially in the digital age, where if you could point to Evernote documentation that, that is time-stamped and you can show it as a series, you know, it's, it's falling in between pages. The nice thing about journals is uh, physical journals is those pages come in sequence. So if they're dated and, and you can show that that idea came in a certain date, a certain time, 
you're better off. It'll help you prove your case. Okay. But who wants to go to court, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, it's not something you want to fight with. But at the same time, you don't want to feel as if your hands are tied and people want to use their skills. It's like a really common advice on the show. It's like, hey, your employer is already paying you for this skill. Like, why limit yourself to only working for them? It's kind of a weird, it's a weird place to be in. So, so let me go with a couple of things and maybe ask a couple other questions to know if you know any deeper information on this. Do we know what his role inside that company is? Is it support? Is it sales? It sounds like he's kind of in a technical sales role. Okay. So maybe he's supporting sale or is he actually selling the product to the customer too? That I'm not sure. Okay. The other thing would be, we don't know the relationship he has with management. So they seem to like his ideas because from the way he described it, he says he has this idea and then they're developing it internally. And now they're telling me it's a conflict of interest. And it sounded like it happened more than once. Yeah. The other example he is kind of giving is client site visits and them saying, well, that's a great idea. And then letting the idea kind of die on the vine and they'll do it once and then it'll die. And so he's like, if I was doing this on my own, I could like, I have the capacity to go and do this and, and make some money doing this. And now you're saying I can't, but you're not taking action on it either. So a couple things, one, he could go to, so here, let's go with the fully embraced version. If he's got a good relationship with management and management has vision, he could go to a direct manager or maybe even a company owner, depending on the size of the company. The higher up you can go, the better for this concept. You know, I know that you're going to have a chain of command. It depends how tightly they enforce that. But some owners are very accessible and the owners are interested in building profit for the company. Whereas a sales manager or a tech support manager is going to be interested in not getting fired. So they, they don't want to say yes to anything. They want to, it's easier to say no. Nobody gets fired for saying no. But the owner wants to build profit for the company. So if you can get to somebody who has a vested interest in the profit of the company and you propose this, so listen, I see what we're running across. I'm getting these requests for these site visits. I think we have an opportunity to turn this into a product or a service that we can charge for. I'm really interested in doing this. I'd love to put together a plan, just a couple of bullet points for you to look at. And if you like it, I want you to let me run with it and get compensated for the additional profit it brings in. Okay. So kind of taking like the entrepreneur path. Yes. In that sense, you're almost playing with the house's money because you don't have to yes. put your own, you don't have to stick your own neck out and, you know, have startup capital in a lot of ways. Okay, it doesn't fully solve the problem of being like, I want to be, you know, fully out on my own, but does let you test your ideas in a lower risk way. Right. So, and the way you put it is great. You're using their money to build out this concept. The other thing to keep in mind about an idea and just ideas in general, you can't protect ideas. So if the concept is you're going to evaluate a website, and we don't know to what extent because we don't know enough details about their business. But if, the, if it is simply to evaluate a client website and give them feedback on whatever topic, especially area of focus is parent company works for, yeah. you can't protect that. If they name it something, like they name it the super duper site review, and they trademark that, there's a logo that goes with it, and there's a manual that, that they have content in, okay. they can protect that. But there's nothing to stop him unless he's got a non-compete to leave and start another company that does the exact same thing. Okay. He'll need to know whether he signed a non-compete. Frequently in the media world, when a media seller works for one radio station, 
they've got a non-compete built into the contract that they can't go work for another radio station within six months to a year, sometimes longer, depending on the protective nature of the non-compete. Sometimes it's flexible enough that they could go work for a TV station, but it can't be a radio station. Or sometimes it blocks all media. They can't sell media for X amount of time. The more stringent the non-compete, the harder it is for them to enforce, but it's out there and some new employers are willing to fight it. Some aren't. Some, it's not a big deal to wait it out. Okay. He may not have that non-compete clause in the contract at all. The other is the company is usually interested in protecting their existing clients. So if he wants to do it in a way that will cause the least amount of tension, if he does spin this concept out onto his own and the other company he's leaving is actively providing that service, I would not go after any of the existing clients because then they'll say what you're doing is hurting them and you're using knowledge you gained while working for us to build this other business. And that's definitely a conflict. Yeah. He could take that service and go sell it to people who aren't using that company and they'd have less to say about it because they weren't doing business with those people. Yeah, target a different geographical area or, or whatever, different industry even. Right, there's no damage. Okay. Right? There's no damage. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind on this concept is, could he translate this to another industry? So if this company serves manufacturers, of, uh, I don't know, if they serve car manufacturers, could he adapt this concept and go sell it to pharmaceutical companies? Because then it's even less of a conflict, but he follows the same business model that he had in mind while he was working inside the existing company. Okay. Again, you're separating the conflict as much as possible. Now it's not even in the same industry. They shouldn't have anything to say about it. Okay. The other pieces would be to find a middle ground. So we've gone to two extremes. One, embrace it and work inside the company. The other is come up with something completely different and take it outside and go to another industry. The other would be, does he believe in the idea enough and enjoy working with the existing company enough that he could talk to them about changing his status and becoming an outside contractor to provide this service to their staff, to their company, to their customers? Okay. So then turning the company from employer to client. Yeah. Okay. They would still market it, sell it under their name but he would be providing those services. And that would open him up to do it for other clients as well. Right. And, you know, that would be part of his arrangement is, you know, you'll be the only company I work with in this category, but I'm going to go and sell these services to other clients okay. in different categories to do the same thing. Or within what you had mentioned earlier, geographic regions, you know, maybe they'll be the only client in that state that he can go and sell it in any other state without any fear of conflict. Yeah, it's a really interesting dilemma. And you talk about employee compensation and like, what's the the famous example is the guy from 3M who invented the post-it note or whoever invented Gmail, right? That could have been its own standalone company. And of course, you use company resources and 20% time at Google to like make that happen. But, you know, now it's used by millions and millions of people. (laughs) And same thing with the post-it notes is like, did you get an ownership stake in that? I, it's like something you invented in a lot of ways, but you're under this company. It's like a weird, I don't have much experience with this because my side hustle was like in a completely different industry. And that's the best way to go is 
work at a company, but the ideas you develop to go to your side hustle, you know, I would try and spin it off into something else. And it can rhyme with the industry you're in. You know, it can be very similar. And that way you can use the inspiration and the and the challenges that you run across in your day job to feed the innovation and the direction you take your your side hustle in. But you almost can't begrudge the companies. You know, you you hear a lot of horror stories in this regard with the comic book companies. You know, there's the stories that the creators of Superman basically lived in poverty because DC Comics owned it. And there were court cases after court case after court case. They would get awarded at times pieces of this larger prize, but never fully vested the way they could have been if they created it on their own. And creators leave comic book companies and they leave their creations behind because they were working for that company. That has changed the face of contracts in that industry. A a lot of illustrators that go work for them, they come in and they're allowed to retain a certain amount of rights to those characters, even after they leave, if it hits a certain level. But the basic contract, when you go to work for somebody, it's a work-for-hire situation. The things you create inside that building stay inside that building when you leave. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And what do you think about his pen name idea? Like, hey, if I want to start an online business, do I do it under a pen name? Anything that you think that you're going to have to hide, (laughs) I would think you have to assume you're going to get caught. I would actually flip the strategy on that. And I would go ahead and write the manual internally and put your name all over it so that whenever you do start your side hustle, you spin off your side hustle, 
you're known for the thing you created versus this pen name that you're working on outside that you're worried about somebody stumbling across. When I create something inside the company, I love the fact that Don, the idea guy's name is connected to it. Because when I leave, I can brag about creating that thing for that company, even though I've moved on to something else. Okay. You have a little bit of a, of a legacy left behind. Yeah. A couple of examples. When I worked for a media company, we created something called Trend Wild. And that was to get people to sign up to get samples. I'm not sure if you've heard of the website Buzz Agent. Have you heard of that? Uh, no. So it's like a buzz marketing campaign. It's a word of mouth marketing campaign. So then we get people to sign up, give their profile, where they live, their age, sex, the demographic, their interests. And then Buzz Agent would find companies that wanted those people to try things and they would send them free samples. So I started as a Buzz Agent and I got a free coffee maker back when pod coffee makers were a big thing. Okay. Black and Decker made it. And I got a free coffee maker and I got free pods. And We know you love coffee. Yeah, yeah, right. So they wanted me to talk about it if I liked it. So you, you say good things if you like it. You probably don't talk a lot about it if you don't like it, but they want you to influence your friends and family. Okay. So I love that concept. And to me, the thing that was missing from Buzz Agent was a traditional marketing component so that if I was talking to somebody about this coffee maker, they could go, oh yeah, I think I saw an ad for that on TV. So what I did when I went to the media company was I want to take this word of mouth buzz agent concept, but I want to blend it with a traditional marketing campaign and use the radio station listeners, those who are members of the database, to sign up to get the samples from our advertisers. And that way we encourage them to do the word of mouth marketing while we're still getting the advertising. That was my idea. I named it. I designed the logo for it. I built a website for it. It was my concept, start to finish inside the building. But that company trademarked the name. So when I leave, I can go start another word of mouth marketing business. I can even start it in partnership with a media company. But I wouldn't be able to call it Trendwild. That belongs to somebody else. Okay. Fair enough. I think this is an, this is just a cool debate and kind of a, a tough situation to, to find yourself in, but helpful to talk it, talk it through, you know, look at these different, different options, see which is maybe the lesser of two evils, but I think there's some good that can come out of it. It's just this weird debate about how obligated am I to even tell my boss what I'm doing outside of my work hours. But when it comes to, if it's a competitive thing or if it's like related to work, yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of companies are building that into their employee handbooks and their employee agreements now. And typically, the larger the company, the more specific it is. I know that JP Morgan Chase Bank has something in their employee agreement that if you got a side job, if you're going to take on freelance work or you're going to do part-time work anyplace, you have to get the approval of the company before you do it, whether it's in that same industry or not. So if you're working at Chase Bank and you want to get a job at Starbucks on the side, you still have to get their approval before you can go work anyplace else. That seems pretty aggressive. Absolutely. But it's the size of the company and it's always going to be, it's going to be more outrageous the larger the company. The smaller companies are usually more flexible. That's why without knowing more about the companies working for, my first reaction would be to try and start it internally. Yeah. Unless he fully believes that it is a complementary product that their business doesn't serve at all, and then I would keep it completely outside of the company entirely because it will be a, it'll be seen as a conflict. Yeah. 
I hear you, man. Tough spot to be in, but Mark, hopefully we've shed some light and for anybody else in kind of a similar situation, what your options may be. Don, thanks for joining me again on uh, this session of the Side Hustle Show. We'll catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Creativity is just connecting things. When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. That's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things. That's a quote from Steve Jobs. And that's our job as side hustlers, as entrepreneurs, right, to make those connections. I hope you enjoyed this little fireside chat style show with Don the Idea Guy. Again, you can find more about him at DonTheIdeaGuy.com. Notes and links for this one are at SideHustleNation.com slash conflict. And let me throw this out there to you as well. I mean, what would you do in Mark's case? Have you ever been put in a similar situation at work? How did you get past that? Let me know in the comments at SideHustleNation.com slash conflict. And your insight will probably help other readers, members, listeners um, in the Side Hustle Nation community as well. Also, if you liked this show, let me know. Um, and also if you thought it was horrible, let me know that too. Although if you're sticking around all the way to the end, hopefully you didn't think it was horrible. The reason I ask is I'm considering doing a recurring series with Dawn, maybe on a monthly or quarterly basis on using some creative thinking to overcome the common side hustle challenges that we all face. But it's, uh, it's totally up to you. So let me know. Nick at SideHustleNation.com is my email. I'm at NLoper on Twitter. Don is at Don the Idea Guy. Or you can find me in, you can find both of us in the free Side Hustle Nation Facebook group at SideHustleNation.com slash FB. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where we're going to learn how to become a master of productivity, discipline, and focus from the undisputed king of productivity, discipline, and focus. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 